What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Man Room. I'm your host, Marcus Bridges. Thank you for joining me today. What a fun show we've got planned for you. Don't forget to check us out every place you get podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, Google, The Works. Donate to the show at themanroompodcast.com. And uh, the rest of it has been said a million times before, so there's no reason not to get right to our guest. Joining us today in the Man Room, actor, comedian, producer, uh, do you? I mean, what else do you do? You're a multi-talented dude. Chris Green, thank you so much for joining me today, hey. man. <laughs> What's good, What's man? What's up, brother? Long time no see, man. Dude, it has been a really long time. Fortunate enough to work with you back in the day uh, on the Donkey Show a little bit. I think we did a Fat Camp together, uh, <laughs> the old Fat Camp uh, stand-up showcase. Yes, yeah, yes, at Wetlands. Sir. And uh, I've seen you out at the open mics here in Eugene. We've got this killer comedy scene all of a sudden in Eugene. Yeah. And uh, just super happy to have you. Thanks for taking the time, dude. Oh, thanks, you, brother. I appreciate it. I'm glad to get the call. Yeah, man. So what have you been up to? You, you, I know you got uh, stand-up on the resume, obviously. But I've been hearing you talk about uh, different movies, some TV shows, uh, some sketch stuff. Like, you're a busy dude. You're, you're creating. Well, I mean, what I'm trying to do is just try to get in there, get in there, get it in good. Now, I just want to let you know when I talk, I might talk a little fast, a little slow, but I'm from the South. That's the things we do. That's how it goes down. <laughs> so I'm going to slow it down just a tad bit. You know what I'm saying? Just a nab bit. But, yeah, I mean, we've been doing, um, I've been doing comedy, you know, here and there where now I'm trying to go in and take it seriously. Um, uh, acting, come around. Like I said, I was on, um, or oh, I didn't say, but I don't know the show. Let me focus i was uh doing um the librarians that was on tnt i'd had a couple roles in there like okay. extra extras and then translation is a movie i got another movie coming out 90 and nice christmas story by travis ivy pico echoes um not echoes by p uh travis ivy another film from jason hawkins is on netflix um well haven't done it yet um but it's coming out is tuesday never comes uh 200 proof by mitch shut up don't worry about that part um, um, <laughs> hey don't worry we can if yeah. you if you say something you're not supposed to we can edit it out seth milstein did that on this podcast and we okay. took about five minutes of content out it doesn't matter <laughs> okay okay Man, i'm good i'm good because i forgot his name but it's mitch hesberg not mitch hesberg that's one of my favorite Mitch something, but um yeah, and then um yeah, a few other ones that I can't remember or whatever. Yeah, but when it comes to thought, but yeah, I just been out here just shaking the bacon trying to do the damn thing, brother. Dude, that's awesome. Now, uh, how do you get hooked up with your acting gigs? Because here in Eugene, it's like there's not you know there's not like a big film school or anything crazy like that. Like, do you already have these connections? You just know people that are doing cool shit, or do you actually go out and seek out like casting calls and stuff like that? Well, a little bit of both. Um, Yo, uh, from uh, doing cool people, how I got introduced to you guys from Miss Jan Davis and all that stuff. I'm um, whatever uh, met y'all, but then you go on Craigslist and you know, uh, casting calls that they have. They have might have in Portland and different things. It's a, a little whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Craigslist is a thing. You know what I'm saying? I got um, I got the met one guy and he wanted me to pose. That's a credible hope. Why he had a Wolverine glove and. Pose with him sticking this clothes in my booty hole. In, in your butt? But, yeah. 
the credible bulk. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and so if they pay you enough, you're down, is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, you still owe me forty bucks, but <laughs> be cool. For forty bucks and some ointment. <laughs> yeah. You see how I walked in here? I walked up. <laughs> it's not because I think I'm better than you. Not at all. It's that damn photo shoot. Before I forget, uh, part of the show that we always like to feature uh, today. You said something pale, something dark. Uh, yeah. I picked us up a uh, paddleback, which is an oceanic pale ale. What do you think, man? How's it How's it hanging? Oh, I love it. It's smooth. It's running down. Uh, Can't go wrong with Pelican Brewery, man. Over there on the Oregon coast, they're doing it right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and I can't be. I'm getting. Look at me. I don't need another forty. <laughs> I mean, you know, dude. I, we had a 40 in college that I've never heard really a lot of people talk about, and I don't know if it's because it's a regional thing. I went to UVO, but we drank Big Bear. You, you ever hear Big oh, Bear? Big Bear. I mean, 229 of 40 and and just a hangover to beat all hangovers, Horrible. Man. Look, I love Bear. <laughs> and it's not a 40 that I won't take down. <laughs> but um, Big Bear, yeah, because I, I think I was getting a 40 of those for 99 cents. Damn. And Damn. And I was like, when you're drunk, I was like, you just knew it was a horrible decision and stuff. And then you wake up, and my experience is probably 50% of the time with ice on my back with a carrot in my ass. So. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen on Big Bear, yeah. man, especially on a college campus. That's where I was. So I'm not even going to tell you some of the ways that I woke up. I, one time, I woke up underneath of a couch because somebody had flipped it over on top of me when I was sleeping on it and I didn't wake up. I just, like, see, <laughs> just worry, you know? See, now, at least you got an excuse because you're in college. Usually it was just me and my grandma and mom. <laughs> so. You don't play some bridge with your grandma instead of drinking 40s with her? Come I mean, on. she's a champ. She's a champ. We, I, I, I mean, now we're trying to create a little thing. We're in an acapella group called On Your Knees and it's um a Christian rap group. And, um, yeah, I'll get you the mixtape for that. It's coming out. I would love it, man. Let's launch it. Let's let's do a special uh, episode of the podcast where we launch the mixtape from on your knees. Oh, is it? Oh, oh yeah. So I, I I have trouble. I'm. Are you being serious right now? You... Oh no! <laughs> First of all, we making you buy down. <laughs> we making you buy down. Oh, shit. Put your head right in front of it and take it for the Lord. <laughs> And that's all it's about. I like that. I like Praise that ag- that aggressive religion. Yeah, that's yeah. really that's the way most people should take it. It's you know, Christian gangster rap. Well, and and look, if you're Catholic, if you if you brought up Catholic, you know all about aggressive religion. So oh, yeah. you know, I was an altar boy. I, oh, I, yeah, that's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. You know, but no, it didn't. I, I did. He was he was cool. My my uh, the oh, pastor man, he, he came was, to get it out, y'all. It, <laughs> <laughs> Cut this one. <laughs> no, he's a cool guy. He used to take me trap shooting. You know, so. where you shoot skeet, you know? And he was shooting some skeet. <laughs> you used to take your trips, skeet. <laughs> All of a sudden, keep on, come on. Come you on know, it on, sounded on. just fine in my head until I said it. And then, yeah, the look on your face kind of sold it. <laughs> you realize a little something about yourself today. <laughs> So sorry you had to happen over this platform. But God damn. Now I know why I do stand-up comedy. <laughs> Released. I'm, I'm fucking fractured, man. I'm broken. Broken like a buck. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I was excited to talk to you about because I was stalking your Facebook page, and I saw back in June you made a comment about the amount of talent uh, in the Eugene comedy scene right now. And as somebody that has been doing it for, you know, off and on for a while like yourself – what do you think, like, stepping back and just looking at the pure and simple amount of talent that Eugene has to offer right now? Oh, man, it's like 
it always been there. That's the craziest thing about it. It's been there, but it was just never that platform. And that's from musicians to uh, actors and actresses and uh, comedians. Like, it's been there. It's just, it always been, at first it's always been that uh, me, 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 me type, whatever. And I think Self and them and Mike and a whole bunch of the comedians, they sat there and stuck with it. Now we're a little doohickey like me can come back in and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of the crew. What we been up to? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> and, what I'm doing. And they look at me like, man. <laughs> but, but they always open. Uh, they always uh, welcome me with open arms and like, come back. We need you to come back, this and that. So, yeah, I mean, they kept it going. And now it's something crazy. And it's, I mean, it's actually beautiful to watch, to see everybody got their own open mics and shows, different things going. So, yeah. Yeah, man, it's it's so much fun, and I hate the fact that people are, you know, everybody was catching momentum, and then now we're starting to cancel shows again, which yeah. is just, you know, it sucks. But I know you're going to be at the Ghostlight Playhouse um, on Monday, September 6th, which this podcast will air, uh, I believe, it'll air, well, this will air Monday. So, yeah, a week from when this podcast is out, you're going to be down there at the Ghostlight Playhouse. Uh, our boy Nick Lanier, who's been on this show, he's down there. He's man in the kitchen now. They got booze and uh, you know beer and wine at the show. Have you done that show down there yet? I have no idea. I just go where they say go. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then there's friends. I don't. I don't think I ever said no. Really, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I just try to go and like promote us and do whatever. So, but you said the show you knew before I did. I was, yeah. <laughs> I'm Those, I, I pretty you can pretty much guarantee if you're doing comedy on a Monday night in Medford, it's going to be at the Ghost Light because that's when okay. they do their feature nights. But um, it's a cool venue, man. And it's it they are really turning it into something that um, I think is going to be a stop. Like it's it's enough of a comedy club when these comedians are coming up through Northern California, headed to Portland and Seattle. They're going to stop in Medford now, and, and I got to hope that they're going to stop here in Eugene, too. We get enough shows moving because there's so much talent up and down the West Coast, and everybody seems to be moving. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, people are going down to Northern California from here and doing a lot of shows, which is which is yeah. awesome to see. And, and oh, they're starting to make stops down here in Eugene, you know what I'm saying? Even not even just, like, the big venues, they're starting to come through and whatever. So I think they're getting recognition or, or some of my pioneers like self and them are going to different yep. places and Alice uh, going to different places and uh, letting them know and, you know what I'm saying, bringing that interest to uh, Eugene or whatever. But I want to say to all my comedians, self, Mike's, all y'all, you know what I'm saying, um, uh, Tyler's, sometimes my car don't work. <laughs> sometimes I'm homeless. <laughs> Sometimes I'm hungry. Sometimes I know, but I will go to any events or whatever. If I could, if I if I could get there, I'm there. So if you if you need to get somebody might need give me a bite. Yeah. But sometimes my legs hurts. <laughs> so I would say the best thing if y'all want me there, hit me up. Say you coming to get me. If I can't get there, and I'm there because I support the movement. I love it. And I like how I'm seeing things come out. Yeah, I'm not talking to the mic. No, you're good, man. I've, I've been watching your level, but no, it's a good point. It sounds like maybe there's that we should commission like a comedy rickshaw to run out and grab somebody if they need a ride, but they don't want to mm -hmm. ride a bike or something like that because you can't trust Uber. I just took an Uber to the airport just last week, and I'm riding, and the dude's got the windows down. Everything's fine. This guy starts telling us about how he got kicked out of a strip club for tipping a stripper in quarters, and in the middle of his fucking story, rolled my goddamn hand up in the window. Like, almost broke my hand right before I was going on vacation only to golf. I was going to play <laughs> two fucking days of golf, and this Uber driver just rolls my hand up in the window. And I'm like, bro, you got my hand. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, and then keeps rolling it up and, like, pinches it. So I can't do Uber anymore. I'm out on Uber, man. I'm waiting <laughs> What did for you rank him? 
What's that? What did you rank him? I, I ran him a four star because I didn't want to be all pissy because he was uh, really he was, apolog- he was apologetic. Way. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose, but still, I've never had my hand rolled up in a taxi, and but I've been in a shitload of taxis. Come on, you know, hey, but you know when you get caught up in a a stripper story, you know, what I'm saying? You, you kinda, <laughs> we all kind of losing when we're telling a stripper story. We're not focused, so I mean. Four stars, you're a good man. You're yeah, a good man. I mean, we were only a couple blocks away when he got to that stripper story, so it was like, I, I remember sitting there because I got really high before I left because we're going to the airport, <laughs> so I got to be like I was on the moon just <laughs> roasted, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know when you have those, you get you get really high or you're drunk a little bit, and you have like that thing where it's kind of like you're looking down on your situation and you're <laughs> seeing it, and I'm like, is this guy talking about getting kicked out of a strip club for court. We're three blocks from my house. And then all of a sudden there was a searing pain in my hand and it like sucked me back into my body and my hand was all geeked up in the window. dude. Wait, wait a minute. What? Katie, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because and as much as I hate to admit it, I've been kicked out of a strip club for tipping with quarters. But oh, the reason man. I got kicked at she, all right, it was, it was two. We were, <clears throat> it was the 18 and over the juice bar. You know, and they would, there was this place in Springfield where they used to let you, if you were over 21, they didn't care if you came and went 60 times. So we used to bring a big cooler of beer and put it out in the car. And then we would go to the 18 and over strip club so our younger buddies could come in. And we would just go out to the car and just drink beer all night and just come back in there hammered. And it was two song sets and I was a little bit tuned up and this gal stripped stripped i put that in quotations because she never took off an article of clothing <laughs> and so i'm like look I, I tip in proportion to the entertainment if i'm entertained you're gonna see a lot of money come from me yeah. but i'm at a strip club and you're not stripping and so you know i'm kind of a jackass from time to time and and she came over and she kicked the the table in front of us you know and she's like where's your money and i was like where's your titties <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a, honestly a great question <laughs> So she kicked it again with those big high platform heels. And it sounds like a gunshot going off when they kick it right in front of you. And she kicked it again and kind of gave me the like, where's it at? And I just reached into my pocket instinctively. Like this wasn't even me thinking. I just knew I had two quarters in there and I slapped them on the table and she kicked it again, and we got drug out, and we I mean, we still sat in their parking lot and drank beer for another <laughs> hour or so. You know? park it, 50 cent for park it. But I don't know. That's why, look, I'm, I've had some sour issues with Uber drivers. Like, that's the other thing. When I was in Vegas earlier this summer, we're standing outside of the hotel. You know, it's 150 degrees in the desert. Everybody's got a beer in their hand because if you don't, you'll die outside. Mm. And this Uber driver just pulls up to us. He's like, no drinks in the car. You're canceled. And just squeals out and takes off. And I'm like, man, you can't do that in a taxi in Vegas. Like, if you're a taxi driver in Vegas, you need every single fare that comes through. And they let you drink. They don't care if you walk in there with a handle. I thought that was the city for it. The, <laughs> the, the, I th- they, but they told me, so I'd never been to Vegas. Oh, really? Ever. So they were like, yeah, you were walking around with a, a tie around your neck with a big 40. <laughs> I'm like, what? I was like, I got to make sure that when I go, it's going to be the thing. But yeah, a taxi driver or Uber? Uber Uber says no. The taxis are cool with it, man. Oh, man. The taxis will let you do some shady shit. They're all running on propane, too, so oh. it's not that expensive. They're oh, making some taxi, good money. Taxi confessions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had something to go down with a taxi with two midges in a pit bull, but I'm not going to. Oh, come on. You got to tell that story, man. No, I don't want Peter to look at me. <laughs> Which they look at you for the pit bull or for the little people? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you will never know. 
It's, uh, it's just a good thing nobody's listening to this shit. Otherwise, it would be canceled a long time ago. Like, I'm, I'm right for It's called The Man Room, and it's 2021. I didn't snitch on the grandma. I didn't snitch on this grandma. <laughs> Me and my grandma, we get dirty with some stuff. But go ahead. Anyway. You know, I. that's funny you say that. I think about my grandma. I didn't. She, she passed away when I was pretty young, but... Uh, I knew my grandma was was cut from a different cloth one time when it was just me and her and we're playing cribbage at her house. And I was shuffling the cards. I, you know, you learn to shuffle and do the bridge and everything at a very young age because my dad played a lot of poker. And so I'm just buzzing through shuffling the cards and I just, I just split them. I split the deck and I put it back on top and she grabbed my wrist, Chris. <laughs> and she's like, that's my cut. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't cut. I just pulled cards. And she's like, that's my cut reshuffle the deck and i was like grandma i'm eight and we're playing cribbage like how do you cheat hey, it's about to get awfully physical in here. was it a water boy it's about to get off i started telling my dad that and my dad had four brothers There's a lot of boys in the house growing up and he starts to tell me some things about my grandma and the four brothers like no listen one time she threw a fork at the sink because she was mad at us and it caught and sprung back and knocked her front teeth out and she didn't even flinch. Like, they just watched their mom get her teeth just all busted out of her face from being mad at them. And she kind of turned around and took it like a champ. And that was when they knew as kids. They're like, well, we can't fuck with this woman anymore. She'll kill us. Yeah. You know? That, that's kind of like my grandma. She's, you know how grandma's whatever. Get down from there. Well, my grandma used to have a pistol. No, like, <laughs> get out. I'm going to pop you right now. Get out the tree. And I'm so dumb. Silk me. Silk me. Not knowing later on in life. That was a real situation. My grandma, I'm going to shoot you. Get out that tree. She just couldn't draw a beat on you. You were moving too much. Yeah, right? like, I was like, my grandma could drop me any time. That's a good grandma. What caliber was grandma's favorite? I don't, it was one that looked like the Lone Ranger. They, uh, the whole house always was full of guns. So we had uh, shotguns, we had glocks, we had the little 22s, the pea shooters or whatever. So hers was always the Lone Ranger one. I don't know what it was. <laughs> she <laughs> so, looked like Dirty Harry out there with that thing. <laughs> with, with a moo moo on. I'm just, like, I'm, and I'm an idiot just in the tree. Yeah, uh, you ain't going to get me. Oh, shit, man. Oh, God damn it. It's so good to catch up with you. This is, I know why now we had so much fun back on the donkey oh, shows is we just got to, you know, talk about shit like this and just have a good time and hang out. And that's totally what this whole podcast is about. Like, some people don't know what they're getting into when they come over to my mm -hmm. house. This is it. See, I love it because I'm an awkward person. I think for the stuff that we do, like comedians, period, I think we're real awkward people. So I can't really have a normal conversation. So when I come to stuff like this, it's refreshing because I'm like I'm all over the place you want to talk about society and politics and this and that's not for me I'm I'm out of there you know what I'm saying and like just regular dinner dinner date take me on a dinner date with you sometimes <laughs> and try to be normal <laughs> That yeah, sounds I'm, like that sounds like a plan, man. You are you are on. I'm taking you, man. It'll be the most. Uh, and I'm, but don't talk about the stuff we talk about. Just talk about what you think regular people talk about, and then you start seeing me start sweating. And, <laughs> <laughs> looking, I smoke two or three cigarettes. Yeah. I don't <laughs> looking for the waiter to come back. Yeah. You bring bring me a couple shots, please. God. <laughs> so uh, you said now you're from the south. Uh, what what part of the south? Because I always one of the things I like to talk about on this podcast a little bit is food. You know, I talked to Nick, who was the chef of, down at Ghost Light, where you're performing on the 6th of September. And, uh, I, you know, we tailgate for the Oregon Ducks every single year. And I pride myself on making some dank-ass tailgate food. But I don't know that I'm as good as what I think I am the more that I talk to people. So. Okay, well, well, 
Mr. Bridges, just go ahead and say it. You see me. You see my size. You see the blubber. Let's talk about food. <laughs> you want to know what it is more than anything? It's that, the South. It's the barbecue, man. I know that you guys, you came from good barbecue. I'm from North Carolina, so you're right. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely. Like, you skating on that. Now you got me over here sucking my dick. How much pounds does it add on? <laughs> This webcam, it's not even 4K, man. It's things making you look skinnier, I'm telling you right now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm from North Carolina. Goldsboro, North Carolina. Um, and, yes, we take our barbecue. I mean, that's all it is. We take that very seriously. Ours is more of the vinegary. That's North Carolina. The vinegary. Vinegary yeah. uh, food is delicious if it's done right. Now, I've been out here. Haven't seen, and I don't want to bash him back because I don't want somebody to bring out. <laughs> I'll just shut up on that because you never know what endorsements or somebody you might bring out here. So I'll leave that alone. But um, it's different. You know, yeah. I, I can see people, and I don't knock people for trying to do whatever. And I'm not one of those people like, well, if it ain't from North Carolina, so it's never going to be good. No, I'll give you my honest opinion and wait on it. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's just, yeah, it's not the same out here. Sure. So I definitely got to try your stuff. But is that like what you call it, like uh, breast, like what you call it, boiled chicken with parsnips? Uh, what the fuck, parsnip? Are I you serious? I never, I never been to a white guy's barbecue. <laughs> I, this, these are stories I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I heard <laughs> y'all got broccoli. You think I'm gonna serve fucking parsnips at the tailgate? Uh, My know. friends would gang beat me on the fifty yard line. I'll tell you. <laughs> see, these are the things I see. I don't know if it's true. See, so I don't. I no, I, but th that's a problem of being over here. And that's why I'm always so intrigued to talk about it is because at, regionally, like we don't really have a thing. Like regionally, we'll cook everybody else's shit in Oregon and kind of make it our own little boutique thing is yeah. what I feel like it is. There's not, I, you know, people always say this, like, what about salmon? Well, you know what? Mm. Salmon, okay. It's good when it's smoked. I got a salmon bone stuck in my throat when I was a kid. So it kind of turned me off to the whole thing. You know, okay, we got great shellfish on the coast, but my wife's allergic to all that shit. Bones in his throat. <laughs> We're back to Catholic school again. Yeah, go, 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 go. I'm going to Read between. <laughs> Read between the salmon. No, go, go. <laughs> I'm just bullshit. So Read between the communion wine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I've, uh, I'm always intrigued to talk about it, and I always, you know, I, I, I wonder, like, do you cook yourself? Do you, are you proud of yourself yes. as like a good cook? I hope I didn't mess that up over here. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I do cook. Um, I like neck bones. I like. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, look, I know I'm being judged. I really feel like I'm really being judged from over there. No, um, no. Uh, <laughs> I get totally it. I do get the it. Point. That I totally wasn't the point, but I can see how the way I presented it just makes you feel like, do I even want to be in this fucking room anymore? I, I said that, Bo. See, I knew it, but <laughs> shout out to you, Grandma. They don't know. They don't know. But uh, no neck bones. Um, you know they have chicklins. I'm never into chicklins, but you got oxtails. You got uh, oxtails good. You got oxtails. Um. All, all the other, you know what I'm saying, uh, meat, um, ribs, 
What are, I'm trying to think of something that people like. Oh, what you cook? Frog legs and all that type of stuff. Gumbo, whatever. Oh, I love gumbo, dude. Oh, I went good. to I went to New Orleans uh, as like a like a late high schooler, and one of the best like cuisine related vacations I've ever been on. Every night in New Orleans was a different like total adventure of something I'd never yeah. had, and I want to have so much more of it. How long was you down there for? Uh, we're down there actually over Thanksgiving. My sister was going oh. to school at University of New Orleans. And, dude, when we were on Decatur Street on Thanksgiving night, it was packed shoulder to shoulder. Like, I've never seen a city party like mm. New Orleans either. Yeah. And um, I was uh, I was 17, but I had an ID that said I was 18, so I could get into all the bars. And then they just snuck me a bunch of booze, so I got to party like everybody else. <laughs> fake yeah. ID, fake ID. <laughs> right. But, no, I mean, dude, gumbo. What was the other thing I had? Oh, red beans and rice. down. Mm. I mean, it sounds so simple. Oh, no, that's my jam. Oh, so good, dude. Yeah. So good. I got to have some of that at the tailgate this year. Damn. I'm right. Why are you talking about? See, that's what I'm saying. Look, I've been on an Atkins <laughs> diet. <laughs> I've been wanting a Subway. He's talking about ribs and yeah. food. This is not fair for a fat guy. <laughs> You're not fair. I see I don't classify you as a fat guy. You look good. Sure. Come on. All right, yeah, I'll give you twenty dollars when we get out. Of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man! I've, uh, that's okay. So I'm right. I'm writing it down though. Red beans and rice. I've, I, that is something I have to do. See, I didn't do any prep for this podcast aside from look at your Facebook page. Can you tell? Oh yeah, my Facebook page is just <laughs> hilarious. Look, hey, if it's anything about look, if I got if you're in a relationship with me. Woo! Because <laughs> I'm putting stuff in there, but I don't do the whole whatever drop, whatever this or that. I just say little shit here and there. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, the ones that love you should be around you all the time, boy. <laughs> oh, what, when was the last time I ever had grits and eggs and sausage? <laughs> she get on there. You're an idiot. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Facebook. Yeah. I'm all over it. If you read my Facebook, you know I'm all over it. I went down a little rabbit hole today, you know. Oh, yeah. But I also see that you're a family man. You know, oh, yeah. you've, got, you, you got, uh, you've got some uh, beautiful children, man. Oh, and uh, And it seems to be that you're a very dedicated dad. You see pictures of, like, loving family interaction, which is a good yeah. thing. You know, I always... That type of shit warms my heart because we're not going to have kids. So, for me, it's just the dogs. Like, I just post oh. pictures of the dogs. And you feel kind of like an asshole saying, you know, well, they're, they're kind of like my children. It's like, yeah, but Angie Bloomfield and I were talking about it. Like, they're way easier to keep alive. Like, I just pour some kibble in a bowl twice a day, and they pretty much do you everything You love else. what you love. But don't worry. I got kids. I, hey, if you want something, too, hey, Uncle Marcus, <laughs> come on down. They, do, they got room for all kinds of uncles and aunts. Trust me. You want to take them, have them go somewhere, you can do it. Just, just let me know. <laughs> just let you know. We just write it down you. on the schedule, right? Yeah. <laughs> just deem you. You know what I'm saying? All we got to do is bring the kids to your house one time. We'll leave. Leave you with them for a couple hours. Come back. Ask the kids. Hey, they offer you wine? No. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't offer you weed? No. He didn't, he didn't, right. Hey, he didn't offer you a little cup? <laughs> See, that's another untasteful joke at the expense of nobody because I shouldn't be saying it. Catholic, I love you. I mean, look. If you don't want those kind of jokes made about you, don't do decades of the shit that you did. That's kind of, or over centuries. I mean, at this point, they've been doing it since the calendar turned over, right? Yeah. I mean, by this time, you pretty much ask. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got your own city with your own laws so that you could do that shit that nobody else is doing. Well, maybe the Taliban now and think about that, but, but we're uh, not yeah. talking politics. No, 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 no. <sighs> 
Because I put on your spandex and your backpack with your pocket knife and your go-go boots. <laughs> going to castle school. <laughs> Don't forget your gimp mask. You you guys later. (laughs) This might be it, man. This might be the last man room podcast. Like if we keep going and I'm okay with it. I mean, look, it's, it's had a good run as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And we really haven't said anything that's been offensive. We've just been speaking our truth. That's my comedy. That's my comedy. I just want, that's why I want people to know. If you go to my show, my thing is all about saying stuff that other people say, but they just say it to each other. They don't say it, whatever. And, but my whole thing about it is, of course, we don't condone nothing that something ha- bad happening to other people or ill will doing whatever. But it's some of the stuff that you know, saying you got people that have done to them. Like I was uh, on my boy James Manning. Can I say something? About, uh, oh, yeah. James Please. Manning kicking it with James Manning. Check his uh, his show out, um, whatever, be on YouTube. Um, but uh, yeah, I was on there and I was just explaining to him like the stuff. Like I said, I like I don't have people die to cancer and mental illness or get killed. Like it's so stuff or you know what I'm saying. Or I got uh, family members that are um, identified itself as somebody else or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like so when I'm telling jokes, it's not like I'm picking at you or anything or I'm saying whatever. It's me taking stuff that we should all laugh at. You know what I'm saying or have we can have fun with it. take a power take the power away from it from making it so serious and this and this and that and just have a good time and laugh right. you know what i'm saying like you'll know when it's a time to be pissed off and get mad and somebody's picking on you directly picking on you coming at you or whatever but if we all go through the same thing we human we bleed or whatever i think we could we can try to take some of that power away from it by laughing at it and you know what I'm saying whatever that's that's my that's my whole take on it. No, I, I love that because comedy is one of the last safe havens for saying this stuff without you know actually breathing power into it. Like yeah. you're saying, you do kind of take the power away from it. And for those of you that are that are listening to this that have maybe been at a comedy show and felt I hate to use the word but offended or something like that, the one thing that I think is really important that people understand is that as, as at least I can speak for myself and a lot of other people. We're not up there to pick out the person that's going to be offended at this joke and ride them. That's not, in fact, that's the last, last thing, thing that we would want to do because that, that just is. We're up there seeking approval from everybody in the audience. If you can just laugh at it and understand that it's a joke and it's not at your expense, you're going to have a lot more fun at a comedy show because I, I, I just, like that whole getting offended at a joke, I, I think it was uh, Sam Morrill, a comedian. Uh, he's got a podcast with Mark Norman. And I was watching him, and somebody was heckling him. And his response was, I'm sorry for coming up here and trying so fucking hard to make you smile. That's you know, and, and it's yeah. like, that's really all it is. Nobody's, I'm not coming up there to shoot bullets that hurt at people. I would no. rather shoot a bullet that tickles. And it's meant to try to tickle everybody. And like you said, if we can't laugh about it, what can we do? Can we even talk about it if we can't laugh about that's it? Think about it. We can't talk about nothing these days. Everybody's sensitive and whatever about certain things and certain things I mean do deserve attention but you know saying at the same time we can all if you can sit there and comfortably talk about stuff with your friends in your backyard drinking and whatever then you should be able to say and do that with other people if wrong or right you should be able to have a conversation you shouldn't have to go this way or you're wrong or I'm wrong or you're right you know say it should be able to we should be able to talk about it and right. we should be able to have differences in what we think you know what I'm saying within reasonable 
Right, within reason. I mean, nobody's talking, like, if you're up there just doing, like, a mind comp hate speech, nobody's, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to empower that bullshit either. Um, But at that, at that same time, if you, if you feel like you're personally offended by a joke and you think that you need to say something as a, as an audience member, understand that that's when the gear shift flips as for a comedian. And now they are, they are after you. Well, and, you wanted my attention. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is what it. you wanted. And this is, <laughs> and this is the thing about it. I got hold on to some people like, you know what? I hated that joke. You know what? He's a horrible comedian. And what I'm going to do I'm just going to sit here and ruin everybody's time because he says something about wedding and I got divorced yesterday and I'm just going to ruin it for everybody. So boo wedding and boo this and ruin it for everybody that can't pay their hard earned money. When y'all can say, uh, I don't like that joke. Yeah. And just shut up about it and just swallow it. You know, go get a drink. That's the best thing. If you get offended by a joke that is in the middle of a comedian set, get up. Walk to the bar, get yourself another drink, think about how it didn't have shit to do with you, and then go back and sit down and see if you like the next one, right? Oh, see, that's crazy. See, I just thought people were just extremely thirsty when I was on stage. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why they're all just running back and forth to the bar, like, sooner or later, we're going to like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I thought, oh, I got them dying. They're dehydrated. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I love the fact that you you have that outlook about it because I think that one of the cool parts about comedy is trying to be creative enough to say it in a way that is more inclusive. You try to get the whole audience rather than yeah. just a section of them. And, you know, I'm not good at it, and that shit's hard. And, and there's very few people that are. And, uh, um, you know, with your comedy, you've always had a way of, like, you set people up, and then you hit them with that Mike Tyson, like just that one, one just knockout punch. And I love that about it. You know, it's it's been uh, for years now. I said we did a we did a show called Fat Camp together, and by the way, it was spelled P H A T, so it was not offensive. Um, even back then, we were worried about, it, and that was like two thousand seven or some shit. Like I don't even know how long ago that was, but um, you know, you get it's. I guess. The one thing I'll try to relate to it is like the feeling of being heckled by somebody that got offended by a joke or by something that you said is like one of the worst fucking things ever. And that's why I try so hard to relate it to people is like, it's definitely not about you. And when you do that to somebody, like you don't only ruin it for the audience members around you, but you, you know, comedians commit suicide second most only to Dennis. Like, how do you know I'm not going to wash my mouth out with a 12 gauge when I get home because you're booing me. That's what you get. (laughs) That's what you get. Should have let me get that joke out, you little wiener. And I know. Boner. Boner. That's what I call people they boner. Boner. And I know that that's, I, that's blue, okay? That's a very blue and dark and and depraved way to look at it. It's real. I'm just telling you it's real. So they wouldn't be standing <laughs> now, up there now, if it's now, not Now, real. don't you wish you put it in the joke form? <laughs> right. You want me to sit here and talk about it like an adult? I can do that, too. Hey, and that's what I think about, too. Um, I've been blessed. That I never been heckled before. I think some people are so stunned to see, like in this area, just like okay, black guy. And I think I got the edge over white people with that. You know, say my fellow white brothers, that because they go in there. You know, you have you got to grab the the audience's attention when you're going, and then they you know here I come the black sheep of the group. <laughs> um, but um, and, but when I go up there, then you see them and they be like, all right, what he's what he's going to say and. 
they're tuned in. And when you get a crowd that's already tuned in, it's kind of easier to capture them. But I really had nobody ever help help me. If any, the most is people joining in with jokes and laughing, which I love that. As long as it doesn't uh, throw it off for the the, the rest of everybody else, right. we can continue. But I have no mind with people chiming in, saying little stuff here and there. But um, yeah, I've been blessed in that. I've been blessed in that form. You know what I'm saying? But uh, well, it also I think that you, you don't take away from yourself because that's also part of being a good comedian is not getting heckled. So you are. I think you also have that going for you that you're a good comedian. So nobody's going to talk it. shit to you. You know, and and that's not where I am. Um, I, I well, go up there every night and I just tremble for five minutes before they give me the fucking mic and I wonder who's going to come after me. And, and I don't know if that comes from me not being comfortable with my own material yet or if that comes from me, you know, having a bad experience and getting heckled a couple of times and thinking that that's just, that's a comedy crowd and I have to deal with it. I really don't think that's the case. You're com- I think You're, you're a comedian. Yes. Yeah. I go, I'm nervous every time I go on stage. Every time. And it's because I... How if I forget material? How if this? How if I uh, uh, say something that fans somebody or whatever, or uh, or I say something about somebody in a wheelchair and somebody in a robot? I don't see them in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's it's this is one of those things where it's like I feel like if you're not nervous, then you're not really. You always want to be able to focus on the crowd and whatever. So I think you being nervous, like, it's a, a stint to it, but feeling nervous or whatever is just regular. And you know what I'm saying? And worrying about somebody helping, because I do not want nobody helping. I don't want to preserve my energy on you to come up with some another set of jokes yeah. to go after you. But the biggest part is that I don't want to be rude to you. That's the last thing that I want to do, because most of my – 90% of my jokes, if anything, is on me. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. telling jokes about myself so people can laugh at me, not other people. So, But I don't want to be the one that sit there and make fun of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so stupid that you thought hamburger heifer came with somebody. Or <laughs> your mama, your mama's so fat she can rollerblade with school buses. Or... <laughs> You know, that's old, old man, but I, you know what? I, I, I've told this story before on this podcast, but that's how I got invited into the donkey show. You know, I didn't know those guys, Tanner what? and Drew, they had a, they had a yo mama contest and I called up and with like eight other people and we went roast battle style with your mama jokes. And I won that what? and they invited me into the studio and I just kind of never left. And so whenever I hear a good yo mama joke, like I will absolutely value that because it gave me a, an eight year career in radio. That's the whole reason I got into that studio. I showed up with a case of beer and was like, I'm here until you pay me. And I went there for like months and months and never got paid a cent and just was volunteering my time because I loved it. And then finally they gave me like one gig and that turned into three and that turned into That's tight. See, I love that. Because you would never notice. If you, I thought y'all do each other from college and, or like childhood friends, how everybody was vibing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but I mean, I hear a good a good yo mama joke has a place in my heart, so I appreciate. You might need to throw a yo, yo mama tournament and have a circuit with the comedians, <laughs> have his own Zoom or whatever, and have a yo mama, and we got to come up with original stuff and see who the best one. That's not a bad idea because it's. I mean, it, look, they're they're kind of timeless because yeah. it's like everybody making like if. Get offended at a yo mama joke. Try it. Try it and don't get laughed out of the fucking room. <laughs> Getting offended at a yo mama this is joke. The beginning of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do remember which one won it for me though, and I had been saving it the whole time because I wrote a bunch of them and then I also found some on the internet because I had to tell so many to get through so many people. I mean, I think I had to do four different battles. 
and each one was like a few minutes long and you got, you know, five or six different. And so it's like, you had to have some, some preparation some in material. there. <laughs> and the one that I hit him with the very last one was your mom is so fat. She tripped over Walmart, stumbled over Kmart and fell right on target. <laughs> and and, and, he, dude, and the guys in the studio loved it, and they just shut the other guy down and hung up on him. It was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I, I told a yo mama joke, and it did something for me. So, yeah. <laughs> Forever be a mama joke. You have a shrine. Yeah. I mean, because it just, they'd never get old. Like, your mama's so old, she got an autographed Bible. That's yep. another one. That it's, it's, I, I know that people are out there right now shaking their heads because they've heard these before, and they're old, but you're laughing. You're laughing at that shit because it's funny. It's like, your mama's so old, she got Jesus beeper number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your mama's so dumb, she heard it was chilly outside, she went and got a bowl. That one. <laughs> Yo, I mean, I mean, keep them coming. Like, if you've your, got more. Your mama's so skinny, she got high glider Dorito. <laughs> <laughs> these are oh, these is old school classics. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I ever heard that one. Oh, man. What was there was something with one about like a 747 and a toothpick. It's like your, <laughs> your mom is so fat she she uses a 747 as a toothpick. I don't remember what it was, but I mean, look, I think you're on to something there. I think that we have to get uh, with all these talented comedians. I know they could come up with some originals that are better than any of these old ones that have been okay. told time and time again. So I'm writing that down too. Look at this. You're, you're causing me to take notes during the podcast, which hey, is rare. That's so. what I'm saying. Hey, you get it back going, just like a what was was it the Gong a Fat Camp? Yeah, well, uh, the, we did the Gong show. The Donkey Gong comedy mm. was was like an open mic um, that if you if you were really having a bad night, Drew would hit the Gong and you just have oh, to yeah. walk off stage. I didn't really see too many people. Uh, did I? No, nah, he didn't Gong very many people. There was, you know, Mike McGowan uh, was funny because there, there'd be nights when he would go up there and try to get gonged. Like he would, he, was, <laughs> he would fuck with people in the audience. He would make fun of Drew. Like he would do everything he could. And then he would say eventually, like, I'm just trying to get gonged. Like, can somebody <laughs> hit the fucking symbol? Because I'm, I'm dying up here. You know? <laughs> and there was all sorts of like that, that open mic night was probably one of the worst thought out we were at Taylor's, which is the college grind time bar on a Monday night. Yeah. yeah. And it's like Monday night football is happening on the TVs yeah. oh, behind yeah. you, you know, yeah. and, um, but there Taylor's was, was a spot though. Oh yeah. Until they started drugging chicks drinks there yeah. and everything and like, got closed down. Drugging everybody. Yeah. And what's the deal? I mean, look, you can have a good time without drugging people. Like oh. there was enough women at Taylor's to trust me. I, I fished in kind of the middle of the water. Like I wasn't, I wasn't going after the, uh, the Corvettes and I wasn't going after the, uh, but the they Dassons. all, they all didn't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a bucket or a Corvette <laughs> will look at you the same. Bro. That was my Taylor's was a spot. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Do I, was, I look like I play football. Um, <laughs> God damn it. One time I went in there and I had my, I knew the guy at the door and we knew all the people and they would used to let us in, you know, we didn't have to wait in line. They'd let us in the side door where all the athletes would come in mm -hmm. just mainly because of the radio show and because of a couple personal connections. But one time I came in and the bouncer's like, take your hood off. And it was pouring rain outside. I'm like, Donnie, you know me. Like, he's like, no, the cameras can't see your face. Take your hood off. And I'm like, if it's me, just come get the little five foot eight dude and grab me by the collar and yank me out of here. You can do that. I've never done anything wrong in this bar. Take your fucking hood off. You're not going in. So I take my hood off and in right behind me walks Jeremiah Masoli oh. with his hood on. And they let him in with his hood on. And you know what, Chris? That was the night that he and his buddy stole the laptops and shit from that party oh. and got in all that trouble and everything. 
And I was like, Donnie, you piece of shit. Like, I was the guy that was in the right that night. You should have let me keep the hood on. You needed to see his face for that case because Good. those people didn't get their shit back. God, yeah. I, that one was, I was, he would have went to the draft. He would, I mean, I mean, he probably would have second, I mean, third round four. He would have made it, you yeah. know what I'm saying, whatever. And I was like, damn. Kind of fucked it off there yeah, at the end, you it's know. It's crazy when you just bored, don't got nothing to do. Right. And, I mean, look, we know how bored – it's just the same thing that happened with those two Oregon players here a couple weeks ago where they're doing drive-bys with, like, a pellet gun, you know, mm-hmm. and they get themselves suspended indefinitely. Like, look, you guys, we know how boring Eugene is, but this mm-hmm. is one of the best classes we've ever had with the football team. Can you guys just keep a fucking lid on it until we can win a trophy? And it, it is more, it's more than just being – I mean, I, I love Eugene. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just a cultural shot. I think it's a – Big gumbo of everybody. That's a good way to put it. Uh, hip, There's a hippies. lot of hippies in the gumbo. <laughs> yeah, but it spices it up. That's a lot what, of kale in the gumbo, yeah. if you know what hey. I mean. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, but we like kale. And I guess we like kale. We like kale. And, I mean, it's different, but it's so much other stuff than what, you, what you're given to why you will want to – Rob somebody when you're in this position. I don't understand that as a regardless of a child or not your teenager, you're in this position which you cannot say that Eugene's not a college town. You cannot say that they don't got the best facilities that they're not treated like the pros are. Oh wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm like, so it ain't like you're going to whatever boom uh school that's whatever, don't got no fun in and this and this and that, whatever. You're messing with Top prestige. This is this great school. So I don't understand where kids will sit there and even throw a chance of me to follow your dream or the things that people don't understand. Where, where I come from is graduate, become an alumni. If you become alumni, do you understand that how many people that don't make it, but just being an alumni and being affiliated with successful people and people that are doing stuff that opens your door? Because a lot of it ain't about what, like what you know, it's who you know. Oh, yeah. They will get you through the door. So, like, kids don't understand that much part. Well, look, maybe you might never make it over there. You maybe have to go overseas or whatever. But if you get that degree, you are alumni. And somebody somewhere going to have something for yep. you. They're going to hook so, you up and yeah. with opportunities and that you may not get otherwise. And, you know, there's only one Tom Brady. Yeah. Think about how many thousands of players that there are out there that played for a year and a half, two years, you blow out your knee and you don't mm-hmm. have a roster spot anymore. Nope. You know, if you if you don't make those connections like you're talking about and have, you know, um, I think about a guy like uh, like George Reister who uh, played tight end here at the U of O and then he had a, you know, he had a middling NFL career, he played for the Jaguars for a long time, but now he works for CBS Sports Radio. He's got a podcast, mm-hmm. he's doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If that dude hadn't have at least concentrated a little bit on his way through U of O. There's no way they're giving him that job on CBS Sports Radio. It's a nationally syndicated show. And he's and it's awesome because I love listening to him. I think he's one of the most level-headed broadcasters out there. I love the fact that he even says it on his podcast uh, promo. He says, this ain't the place for social justice warriors or snowflakes. He's like, everybody is here. Everybody's got a seat at the table. And I just, you know, I think that's probably a shining example of what you're saying. Like, the dude went through college. He got those connections. And when pro pro football ran out for him, yeah. he was able to go right into, like, a prestigious broadcasting yeah. career, you know? I mean, um, and it look, I think the other thing is, too, I don't know. I, I wasn't a, a good athlete at all. I mean, look, I'm 5'9 and doughy, 5'8, I guess. I already said 5'8, so I can't go adding inches. Was this in Catholic school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought, but I, I just, if I would have been an athlete that was good enough to even be recruited, I feel like I would have had this whole thing. Like, man, if I fuck this up, I'm going to have to move home and my dad's going to kill me if I screw up this opportunity yeah. or my mom's never going to look at me the same if I screw no. up this opportunity. And I, you know, in the name of fun, I had it easy in college though, because I got to come and I started a band and we just drank all the time. And it's like school was second fiddle. These athletes, they have to keep up on school. They have to work really fucking hard to get yeah. to where they're at. So it's even a little more surprising when you see, you know, one stupid decision and it you're affects almost, your whole thing. You almost there. Yeah. Almost <laughs> there. That's what you got to do. Go to school and play whatever your sport is. Go to school and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like you got so much other stuff. Like, and plus, you know, they treat athletes good around like royalty, you know what yeah. I'm saying, uh, that I've seen. So I'm like, well, you really don't want for that much, you know what I'm saying? I know they was talking about NCAA and money, which, I, I mean, I, I do believe you should get paid yeah, or whatever. absolutely. But, for their image, I but, mean, that's... But I'm like, but how much money do you need that you're going to go steal computers and right. this and that and other allegations you get caught up with when they got the females and things like that where I'm just like... I think it, it's a better and safer way. I mean, it could happen to any of us. So I can, I'm not saying like, oh, you're in fault, but it's just like you just got to know in certain situations that you're uh, held to a higher standard. Yeah. And, uh, and if not even, you're held to a higher standard just as a person, but it's not, it's your watch more than the regular person. Right. All eyes are on you. So, so when you got more clout than the, other person, so nobody would care about me, right? Whatever, you know, what I'm saying this and this and that, but you, high profile, supposed to be in this sport, good, you, whatever, it gives somebody to talk about. So you just got to watch when you're in the higher space of, uh, yeah, that, that world. I mean, that, it's world, that yeah. world, yeah. I mean, you think about it, picture two register guard headlines, okay? One of them, starting quarterback steals laptop computer, and then think of like, drummer for local punk band kicks a hole in the wall. Like I got to make stupid decisions and they didn't affect me because I wasn't shit. That's the point. <laughs> Marcus again. We told him don't give him the Jose Cueto. This kid comes in here with two big bears taped to his hands. He doesn't even have thumbs and he causes problems. What? Uh, but you're, but you're right. It's got, and it's gotta be a lot for an 18 year old kid to handle. Look, I'm not saying that, you give me that type of clout and that type of recognition at 18 years old, and I guarantee you I would have screwed it up twice as bad as a lot of these guys. I'm not saying it ain't hard. I, I get it. Yeah. And especially not when when you get out of high school, that high school to college jump culturally for a kid is like, I graduated with 44 kids, Chris. 44 kids mm. in my entire class, and then I went to a university with 20,000 people at it. I didn't know how to act. Like, I would have known better if you would have set a hay bale in the middle of the street and I could go sit on it. I would have been more comfortable there than at the University of Oregon because it is such a shock for me. So I don't I don't claim to think that I could do any better than these but, guys. But the thing about it, though, is that you got to understand that it's, we already been, because I was an athlete at, uh, supposed to win here, but I messed that up all because Lane doesn't got a football team and... Something about an uh, independent form I could have signed at Lane that they didn't tell me. Ugh. It's an independent form you can sign. <laughs> if you have nothing to do with your parents and you're over a certain age, 18 or whatever, you can file to be an independent 
if you're trying to go to school or if you're just trying to go to Lane, period. But you don't need your parents' information and stuff. I wish I would have had that. Okay. But anyway, um, what was I saying? That, but, oh, no, we're, we're designed because even when um from high school, you can't get in trouble. You can't be suspended. You can't, Your GPA got to be this this high for you to be able to play. Mm-hmm. So these these are things that's nothing new from a kid, no matter what his cloud is and whatever it is when going to school. These are the, the, I mean, some people get away with most because if you're a superstar, they might let you get away with, you know what I'm saying, whatever, but you know. It ain't like nobody tell you. So these kids do go in here knowing that, you know when you get in front of a camera, like you know you know when you when you know when you get in trouble and go to the judge, you know to sit there and Yes, sir, and right. no, ma'am, and you know what I'm saying, whatever. So having to tell you don't do this or do that, it's kind of whatever. And I'm for, for the athlete, but I'm just saying, like, some of this stuff is like you work so hard, you get to try to get to this part, and you're not thinking when you just know the norms. Go to school, get your education, do your thing. And ball out. Yeah, and, ball and, out. and listen, now what's cool about it, this name, image, likeness stuff, like these kids are going to be millionaires before they hit – 19 years old, a lot of them. Um, you know, some of these kids are already signing deals out of high school because they're expected to be something big. Yeah. And look, that expectation carries a lot of weight. Like, you got to watch your mental health too, especially as a young kid. When stuff happens to you in that age group, it often seems like it has a bigger impact. Like, it's lasting longer. It's going to be something that affects you forever. I'm sitting here at 36 years old looking back at a lot of the shit that I sweated about in college going, it wouldn't have made a difference at all. It didn't affect a single thing about anything in my life. It's really hard to step back and have that knowledge when you haven't lived it yet. And that's the one thing. That's the biggest thing. When my mama used to, my mama used to tell me, my dad said to say, hey, I'm telling you because I've been through it. Yep. I've been through it. I'm letting you know. It was something about it that I couldn't listen to them about it. It had to be... A superstar on TV or my favorite cartoon character or a friend outside right. to say something. But now I'm sitting here looking back, look them and like, if I knew what I, and that's what I say, if I knew then what I know now, it'll be a whole different thing. Yep. And I'm telling my kids the same thing. And goddamn sure if they aren't going to go fuck it up too, nah, right? I'm not trying to be hard on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm fun dad, not dick dad. No, your mom's dad. Your mom does that. Me fun dad, but don't do that. You're going to mess yourself up. And they look like I'm just Captain Killjoy. And... <laughs> you know, I, I you got to look at it in a way that's like, you got to be strategic about these things. It's, it doesn't mean you can't go to college and still party and have fun. You just need to have a, spe- like, Chris Carter said it best at the NFL Rookie Symposium years ago where he went up on stage and he looked at all these young NFL rookies that are just starting out and they're about to be more popular and more successful than they've ever been in their entire life. And he looks at all of them and he goes, have a fall guy. Somebody <laughs> to point the finger at when some stupid shit goes down and you can't handle seeing your name in the paper attached to that. If it's just a dude that you were out with that night and you blame him for it, problem solved and it's like a lot of people gave him shit for that but i was like no that actually makes sense when you're talking about everything that these guys stand to lose for just one bad decision mm-hmm. because i don't stand to lose that much from one bad decision like it's like i said well, imagine, imagine this top podcasts in the world or whatever and you come in here we we do an interview pound we're chilling you're like hey man let's go to get something to eat we go whatever to get something to eat and um 
We get into it. Dude step on my shoes. Boom. I hit him. Pow, pow, pow. Knock him out. We leave. <laughs> <It's a complication. laughs> the headlines, it's not going to be unknown Chris Green, whatever. It's going to be Marcus Brown. <laughs> just two pieces of shit up. Yeah. This little, this little not scary white guy just apparently dotted two dudes' eyes. Just dotted them, whatever, and then have a picture of you like this, and, and be like this. Maybe we should go out for dinner, man. I feel like you and I aren't, we're not capitalizing on our time as much. If that's how we could go out and have a good time and make the paper, this podcast might actually go somewhere. Hey, just bring the camera. <laughs> I was sitting there and wrestling homeless guys. <laughs> Oh man, have you uh, have you had any experiences with the uh, with the homeless or houseless population in Eugene? Um, I used to be homeless when I first got down here uh, for um, a few months. Like no shit. When I was like eighteen, nineteen, that's what I was talking about. Um, I went put myself in school, had a shower right there, go to a place called Looking Glasses, which is a good place yep. to help you get your stuff together and whatever. So I was going to school there, going to school at Lane, showering there, and trying to wait for my um, financial aid to come through and get through, and they kept on hitting me with the I need your parents stuff and whatever. And I'm like, I haven't with my parents for ever since I was 15 years old, 56 years old. I don't got nothing to do with them. I don't know, whatever. So it's a thing that could have told me from the get go called an independent form that just sign it and you're good to go. You're good to go, whatever. But uh, for the homeless, that was um, excuse me, that's what my heart goes out to. I be I see them and. I always just felt a certain way or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And I, the thing with Eugene and how I'm saying it, it's bad and whatever, but ooh, excuse me. <clears throat> it's that it's that oceanic pale ale. That beer brewed with salt water makes you burp more. And not no stereotypes, but the chicken would have helped it go down, but we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But, um, uh, yeah, but it, it breaks my heart to see it. And then I'm saying that they making money off of it. So it's like, do you really care or whatever? And, you just like you just see people how they treat them and whatever, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I I get it. It's like you see them as a whole, but you got to look at them as individuals, and right? That's, and I think that's one of the biggest things in the world. Not even just homeless people. Don't look at them as a whole. Look at them as individuals because you'll see that they all different. It's not the same. You know, what I'm saying whatever as a people. So I hope they figure something out a program. Because if I had a billion dollars, I will build. <laughs> Some kind of office where, first of all, I have I put them in a boot camp. Make sure that they know karate. <laughs> <laughs> Who will mess with a whole a army of homeless people that know karate, <laughs> jiu-jitsu, and taekwondo? But that at this time they won't be homeless because they will be in my building, and my building is in four different tiers. Just like Mortal Kombat? I feel yes. like you're starting Mortal Kombat right now. And there's only sacrifices every two years. So somebody's got to die. <laughs> but whoever wins that tournament is the Grand Comundo. And, I mean, well, and then do they run the building? You give them, you got to give them something for winning the tournament, right? Do they get a house? Do then they they, get... they got to meet my friend. And what he does, he's on Craigslist. He'll make you pose as an incredible hope. And he's going to he's gonna get, he's going to get, Okay, well we've already been through that, but through okay, that but the Wolverine, but the closet that, doll. That's when you initiate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, man, it's it, going back in all seriousness, all jokes aside, and in, into what you're saying, it's 
they spend a lot of money trying to solve this problem that and it, it feels like a lot of the times the money is being misappropriated or it must be going into somebody's pockets that's just taking it and not um. using it for what they should. Um, you know, it's crazy here in Eugene, we actually have like kind of a, a program that's renowned across the country for dealing with a lot of the mental illness parts of, of you know, crime that, that occurs, and that's cahoots. Where oh, cool. they'll send cahoots out rather than, or they'll send cahoots out with a uniformed officer, and they'll make the distinction between the two of them. This person is is having a mental uh, episode, and they need help, or this person is committing a crime and knows full well what they're doing. Wow. And I think that that there's something to be learned there, man. Because how many people would just go to jail and go right back out and repeat the cycle if you didn't have those cahoots people in there? They're trained professionals. They're not just you know look. I know some cops, and I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm telling you right now, I don't know if I'd trust them watching my kids because I don't know if they necessarily know the sharp end of, of the you know the lawnmower blade. But I, look, that doesn't mean they're they're good people. But they might not should be dealing with like a mental health crisis in the middle of downtown. And, and shout out to the cops. So there are great cops out there, and they're they get bad names from the the bad the apples out ones. there. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. But shout out to them. Uh, whatever. It's a lot of misinformed officers out there or whatever, and uh, but we ain't gonna get into that. No. But uh, but um, but it's like I just want to let people know that it's not no oh f the police, it's f those police, and we know who we're who we're talking about yep. or whatever. And if you've had personal dealings with them, you know immediately. You get a real different feeling when you're dealing with the f those police. Then yes. you deal when you're dealing with yeah. the guy that's out there to protect and serve, do his job, whatever the case may be. He's going to be a dick be. to anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what I'm like he's going to be. You can tell the ones that he's going to be a dick regardless of what your race is, what you are, whatever. He's just doing his thing and he's going about it. And then you get the ones that's super nice and they're trying to work with you, whatever. Yep. It's just get the ones that just puts that little extra kale on it. And it, <laughs> just a little extra kale. And when you rewind from the dick cop, from that moment that he's being a dick to you, and you rewind all the way back to when he was 13 years old, and he's just taking dodgeball after dodgeball to the face, <laughs> you, you got, it's like you don't sympathize with him, but you understand. Just get out of the way. Just get out of the way once. Just try Catch to it, dodge Wilbur. it. Catch it, Wilbur. Catch it, Wilbur. Oh, shit, man. I am. <laughs> Yeah, uh, did you did you deal with uh, with bullies and shit like that in in, in school at all? No, <laughs> I'll be honest. It sounds angry. Uh, I mean, I used to be boom, whatever. I used to kick ass. You were an athlete, so you. Yeah, were... yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to give the business. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's my family. But the thing about it, I was always the one that it was like, hey, irk me. So I hated people that like if went out their way. Like I can have my, some of my friends that's. Be more like me, whatever this and that. But if I see somebody picking up, picking on somebody, they, first of all, why would you pick on them because they're so nice, or because, or they mind their own business, or they just seem helpless? That helpless thing. I used to get in fights with my homeboys, like you got to fight me, or I go after the other kid and be like whatever, and um, you know, saying whatever, like fight them. I always stood up for the little people and whatever. Yeah. And they used to come through there and be like, hey, yeah, it's cool, whatever. And they, they we become friends. They were like, oh, I want to come sit by you. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, all right, hold on. <laughs> I didn't say that. I was like, for now, for today, you can sit with me, but I'm going to have to fight all the time because they, they these dudes are going to mess with you, whatever. But they knew, but for the most part, they knew you had to leave them alone because that's what it, like, it gives me like a, it turns my feeling up when I see that. Like, I see people bullying people 
wearing. Like, hey, why don't you go fight somebody? You know what I'm saying? You're the same size. Punch or, up. Yeah, yeah. Punch like, up. Yeah, like, try to compete. You know what I'm saying? Right. Whatever. Don't sit there and try to punt kids or whatever. So I never liked the dad and always – I used to get in trouble for that in school all the time. For knocking and, a few heads around because yeah, they're picking on people. And, it, yeah. and then but the teachers is something uh, a lot of times or whatever. I mean, of course I got spent it a lot of times, but a lot of times I didn't just because they was like, okay, we see. See what's going on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, and dude, that's and I, I see that. Like, that's probably one of the qualities you have uh, that makes you a good father is, like, you see somebody that's vulnerable and might not be, and so you're there to support and there to nurture and there to – protect you know and all that stuff and and i that's that's kind of my thing with like i mean there's something about people that abuse dogs that makes me want to come like that incredible hulk with the wolverine cloth is ass unglued okay i'm not kidding you i i just because it's like when you see it in a human it's bad enough and that person can actually speak up and say their piece and tell you how they feel when i see somebody doing it to an animal like my sister just adopted this dog that used to be a farm dog and males, it doesn't matter how big, how small, what color you are. It doesn't matter. They, this dog, if she sees a male, cowers and bears her teeth because the cowboy beat the shit out of her so much. And my sister, she loves my sister. She loves the the children, uh, my nephews. But if it's a if it's a grown male, this dog just it curls up in a corner and 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 will wet herself. I mean, and no it's like, like, dude. I mean, I I and it, like I know the guy that owned this dog before my sister adopted it and i used to think really highly of him and now i don't care if i ever fucking speak to him again because i can't believe that you would do that to something so defenseless you know yeah. i mean it just says something about you it's like i need actually i'd like to take you back to enterprise my hometown little podunk northeast oregon ass town and knock some fucking sense into this dude because he's bigger than me so i can't do it you, know? <laughs> you never know you hit somebody in the right spot hey it's a wrap you know what I'm saying? they go down well, dude, uh, I only ever asked for an hour of your time, and believe it or not, we've been in here for over an hour. Oh, that's so. crazy. Yeah. I mean, did you have fun? What do you think of the Man Room podcast now that you've done an episode? Man, I always thought you was chill. Anyway, I love the setup. I love that you um, feel men of the people. You feel me? So I like. I mean, we could have came in and talked about anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you catered it to me. I'm not no scientifical, philosophizing, astronomical, diabolical, whatever. So you could dumb it down to me for me and talk about dumb shit that I like. I would love to talk about. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, I, I can just see that you got it, and you doing no different than when you was with the um, the K Duck or whatever. K Fly, don't K, do that K, to K, me. K Fly, my fault, my fault. <laughs> K Fly, which I was could swear I'm like, oh yeah, uh, y'all going to the top because y'all was already up there with whatever. So I was like, um, whatever happened, I thought you went with. Uh, with Tanner and Drew, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, right. that was the plan. They actually, so the day that we accepted keys to this house, my wife and I, is the day that they fired us. Like, mm. we, I, I was like, I, I remember my parents were driving across the state to help us move in, and I was like, I called them at like 2 o'clock, which is right when the show's supposed to start, and they answered the phone like, what are, you, what are you calling us for? Aren't you supposed to be on the air? It's like, no, I, I'm unemployed. Come move me into my new house. And there's just like dead silence on the other end of the Damn. phone. And it's like, and then I had to come home and tell my wife too, which was like, that was the toughest part for sure. But yeah, it was, I mean, we got, we got real blindsided by it. I, and should have, had that not have happened, things might've worked out different. I might've been able to go with them. Um, I do the donkey show podcast with them every day. And a lot okay. of people don't even know that that's a thing, but it's on the iHeart radio or iHeart media app. 
And uh, it's it's a daily, like, half an hour to 45-minute podcast where it's called Tanner and Drew's Donkey Show. Oh, okay. And there's, you know, there's between three and five of those per week every week unless they're on vacation, and I join them from right here, so. Oh, okay. You got to give me a link or something. Yeah. Uh, so I'll check it out because I'm definitely trying to promote everything, whatever, you know, I can because you solid dude. Hey, thanks, I, man. Y'all I, always been cool to show me love. Dude. Let and you know when you need a, a co-radio personality – I'll do my homework, and I'll rock with you. Hell yeah. We get back in that building or whatever we need to do. You feel me? Let me know. Hell yeah, man. And, I mean, I, look, I, I really do think you're on to something with this Yo Mama thing. I think maybe you and I need to, like, moderate a Yo Mama tournament between mm-hmm. some of these really t- – and not to say that you – I mean, you want to compete, go compete. I think that it would be cool to moderate it and kind of roast people from from being, like, a host standpoint hey, because yeah. that's kind of my game, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you all day. <laughs> as long as we can just get – Bring it in, bring people that, hey, you never knew you had the in, uh, in you. That's what I'd be loving to see a comedian. And they so self-conscious. I'm like, man, just go out there. Because the one thing I tell comedians or start off comedians, it's just 40% or, or even more just to have the kahunas to get on stage right. and look at a crowd. Right. You know what I'm saying? So if you could do that, you halfway there. Yeah, for sure. And before I forget, I do want to plug uh, Monday, September 6th, Ghost Light Playhouse. If you want to catch Chris, go down to Medford, get tickets uh, through Ghost Light Playhouse's website, and uh, enjoy some of the great food that Chef Nick's cooking up down there. Enjoy the great comedy that they're going to have. Always a good show. I've never seen a bad lineup on any of those shows. Oh, okay. um, I've done two of them, actually, now. So um, it's, a, it's a great stage. You're going to have a lot of fun. You also said you're working on some stuff, some like TV stuff right before we went on. Is there anything that you can actually talk about, or is it all still kind of in production? Um, I'm working in. It's still in production, but we got a... A uh, show that we can put out on the TV show that you either get it on YouTube, Facebook, or on the local uh, channel that we we're looking for uh, for Eugene, and it's called Feather Bottom and Skull. Feather Bottom and Skull. Um, with me and my man Shedding Swords. Um, uh, that's gonna be coming out. That's uh, that's crazy. Naughty and Nice, the Christmas story. It's supposed to be coming out pretty soon around Christmas. Uh, by Travis Ivy and Brenda Ivy and this Peacoat Films. I'm trying to figure if anything. Uh, There's a clip on your on your Facebook page, just a little tiny clip of Naughty and Nice Christmas that's really funny for only being eight seconds long and having zero context. I watched oh. it like four <laughs> times and laughed every single time. So if you want to check out just a tiny taste of that, you can check that out on Chris's Facebook page. Without. With with all of my other craziness. Yeah. If you want that crazy, yeah. I'm about that crazy life. So, um, and I accept all friends. Um, um, yeah, um, yeah, that's about it. And um, now I'm just trying to get this comedy thing going. I mean, that's why I'm asking my brothers and them, whatever, because I'm known as the flake, other known as the black sheep, uh, <laughs> on top of other things. But I let them know I'm there. If they get me there, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? And whatever time I can get myself there. Sure. You know, so, um all right, well, how about this? Club. When that stuff does hit, make sure to let me know, and when it's launched, and we'll get you back on the podcast and make sure we tell people about it because um, that's another thing I want to use this podcast for is to elevate this whole scene that we've got going on. That's there true. are so many creative and funny and really talented people in Eugene right now working on a lot of cool shit. I just feel uh, fortunate to be a part of it, to be honest with you, so I want to I want to help in any way that I can. and. Uh, you're the first guy. I mean, I've had filmmakers. I had the the creator of the last blockbuster in uh, in here, but I haven't actually had anybody that's been on the talent side of the camera, the acting side of the camera. So 
you're you're the first one, dude. I mean, oh, and I look forward to having you back after we can uh, we can check out some of this stuff. So, all right, I'm all for it. And make sure you look for me. It's called Wolverine's Revenge. You see a picture of me in a green suit with my ass out and a cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't no such thing like that. Please don't sue me. You can <laughs> find it. You just got to pay him for it. It's on OnlyFans. Chris Green, everybody. That's the Man Room Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And, and, and transmission. transmission. <laughs>